Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, coming to you, not live, but recording on this lovely Monday. And people, you know, I just hope you're ready for an hour of Josh Gordon to the Chiefs. Goodness, maybe not quite that long, but I am happy that my guy has got another chance. Uh, we got Dwayne McFarlane, as always, sitting by. He is not sharing my flash optimism, but you know what? That's okay, Dwayne. I still like you as both a person and a colleague. What's going on, man? Man, hey, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth the Chiefs taking a look at because we. I think it's pretty apparent at this point that Mikkel Hardman is just not the answer, you know. And when I'm watching that team, I'm constantly thinking, man, they need a third weapon. Like they just need a third weapon um, because they they're trying to do it by letting you know Mahomes scramble. They tried to get you know even Edwards Alaire a little more involved, but they just need another downfield weapon. And so I see no reason to not just try to kick the tires on. Josh Gordon. Do I think it's going to be a huge boon for fantasy um, leagues? Probably not. But, you know, if you're playing on the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, if you're in a super deep league, I mean, I've kicked the tire on worse things, you know, as a fantasy manager in the past. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll hop in. I know, I know we'll spend some time on Josh Gordon because this is Ian's podcast. I want that. I want that PFF social graphic where Gordon in a Chiefs uniform that just says, I've kicked tires on worse players, Dwayne McFarlane. That's exactly what I want out of you, Dwayne. Great stuff, as always. People on the, our waiver wire edition of this podcast, we're going to go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Talk about more people than just Josh Gordon, believe it or not. Uh, and we will kick things off with the QB position. Now, Dwayne, I went through guys, and again, everyone I mentioned here on today's podcast is going to be rostered around 50% of Yahoo and or Fantrax League. So that's kind of the disclaimer I'm going for. If you hear me, you know, not mentioning someone, there's a good chance they are higher than that 50% threshold. So with that in mind, Dwayne, five quarterbacks really sticking out this week to me in streamer land. Sam Darnold is facing the Cowboys. Derek Carr's got the Chargers. Justin Fields has the Lions. Daniel Jones has the Saints. And Teddy Bridgewater has the Ravens. I'll quickly run through my kind of general thoughts here. I think the order of these guys should be First up, Derek Carr. This man has thrown for 300-plus yards in seven straight games at this point. As you said last week, Dwayne, and, you know, we just kind of came to the agreement. He has earned inclusion as a borderline QB1 at worst here moving forward. The matchups haven't been great. They're still not great. The Chargers with Derwin and Joey Bosa are a very good defense. But, people, he he's throwing the hell out of the ball, and he's doing a great job with it. Weapons all over the place. Keep trusting Derek Carr, even in a less-than-ideal matchup. And I am going Carr over Sam Darnold, one of these few quarterbacks that when you lose their running back, it might actually be a bit of a net negative, I think, for the passing game. Darnold should be okay, but he's also not going to run for two touchdowns every single week like he did last week. So just realize, people, as great as much better as Darnold has been. I had to catch myself there. Uh, compared to past years, QB 16, QB 14, and QB 7 uh, starts the season. He is fine as an upside QB 2. Like, I'm not saying he's even going to be ranked that much further below Derek Carr. I would just take Carr ahead of Darnold because I think it's more sustainable over the years, but over the upcoming weeks, I should say. But hey, Darnold, next uh, five opponents, Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants, Falcons. It's going to be like week 12 on here, Dwayne. I'm going to be going, I told you. Darnold just had a mediocre game. I've been waiting for this all season long. After that, I have Fields, Daniel Jones, and Teddy Bridgewater. Honestly, 
I might even be overthinking it in terms of Jones versus Fields. But Teddy, I just think it's not enough of a pass-happy offense despite him having the higher average target depth this year to really feel good about a matchup against the Ravens where I think the blitz-happy nature of that defense could cause some problems for Teddy. He does hold the ball um, a lot, so I'm just not loving this spot for him. But the Jones versus Fields thing, I'm not trying to take anything away from Daniel Jones. Only Lamar Jackson has more rushing yards than him this year. He is PFF's fourth highest graded passer. But I'm just, you know, actually, this is like a non-quantifiable thing, which makes me nervous that I'm hanging my hat on it. But Dwayne, this is the Saints' first game back in the Superdome this year. And I know you remember that, you know, return to the stadium after Hurricane Katrina when that place was going absolutely electric. And I don't know. I don't exactly trust Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett to walk into that environment and uh, come away with this. So again, maybe I'm just overthinking that. But either way, I would take Carr and Darnold ahead of these other streamer options. How do you feel about this group of five, Dwayne? Yeah, I think you have it for sure correct at the top. I do think it is Carr, um, number one, and then I think it's Darnold, number two. The nice thing with Darnold, you know, is you're sitting at, you know, QB9 right now without, you know, minus Monday night game tonight um, on the season, and they haven't really been forced to throw the ball that much yet, Ian. And, I, I mean, you were, you were really doing a good job of outlining, like, the next opponents, right? They could really have to do a lot more uh, when they're not playing, you know, some of the lesser offenses in the league. But if you look at them, I mean, they still rank sixth in, in plays per game right now, but that's mostly due to being number two in time of possession on the season. So their plays per minute are, are 27th out of 32. So I, it'll be interesting to see, like, most likely what you usually see is teams that trail a lot run a lot more plays, right? And then teams that are leading, they try to slow it down at the end of the game. They just, you know, you, you don't want, you know, 90 plays in a game if you don't have to, right? It's just bad for player health. So it, I, I do think we'll, we'll see the pace pick up if they're in games where they need it to. But what I like is if you look at their um, pass rate in close games, they're 10th in the league and they're 15th in the league and passing even when leading by four points or more for the Panthers. So I do like that. Those are both positive things. So that, that, puts me in a situation where I rank Darnold second as well. Um, I hate to just disagree. I, mean, I hate to just agree with you, Ian. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would put Darnold there. And then, man, the thing with Fields, um, I mean, we don't even know who the starter's going to be this week now. <laughs> I mean, with Nagy coming out and doing what he's doing. Nick so Foles, oh my goodness. Man, yeah, it's, it's, if Fields plays, like, I'm willing to give him another shot because the thing, and we've talked about it multiple times, so I don't have to, like, keep, like, rehashing it. But, I mean, the thing we care about the most, design rushing attempts, he's sitting at 15% for the team on the season. And the two games where he's played most of the game, 21% and 17%. Um, and then his scrambles are sitting just under 10% per drop back on the season when he's been out there. So that's still going to carry you many weeks. Like, it just, you know... It didn't last week, so I'm open to the fact that, look, there can always be exceptions to these rules. It's just been a really hard rule to break. Now, when you throw for, whatever, 50 yards, that can break rules. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I would, I would probably, to your point, um, man, it's tough for me to say, but it's like I would probably lean a little bit to Daniel Jones, just at least for this week, you know, overfills. And I know it is New Orleans. Um, but we just don't know for sure what's going to happen with fields. But if you're asking me for rest of the season, I would still hang my hat um, probably on fields. The thing that keeps Jones there, man, is like he's he's been running just as much. <laughs> you know, I mean, we did not expect Daniel Jones to run the ball on 18% of design rush plays, scramble on 8% of dropbacks. He's got his sack rates down. It's still 
higher than like the elites, but it's down to a 6%. Um, he, he's handling 33% of the attempts inside the five for the team. So, I mean, Daniel Jones has a great rushing floor every week too. So actually having said that, I'll just flip it now. Just make, I mean, because we know Daniel Jones is the starter for his team, he's basically getting the stuff, everything we hope Justin Fields gets. Now Fields, if he, if he continues to get that rushing volume, and he is the starter, we know he's just a more electric runner than Daniel Jones. That's the thing that gets us going is we know that, man, when we see Justin Fields out there running the ball that much, like there's a real chance that we get these 80 and 100 yard rushing weeks. And, you know, Daniel Jones, yeah, you could get that every once in a while, but more than likely what you're looking at is 40 to 50 yards on his utilization. So um, I think the order is right. Um, I actually don't disagree with any of it. I I think, I think you've got it. Um, I would flip Jones and Fields for now but other than that i would i would have bridgewater also last the one quick thing with um the broncos i threw a tweet out there about this this morning like something has to give with them like they're the absolute worst um in plays per minute but they've also led 61 percent of their plays that's the first in the league and their first in time of possession in the nfl so it'll be interesting because this is Vic Fangio head coach. And we know these defensive minded head coaches will sometimes like they'll have their thumb on the offensive coordinator. So we'll see what happens whenever they actually get into a situation where they're having to trail. Do they get to throw the ball more or does that pace stay lethargic? And now with less time of possession, it really plummets the offense. That's my one fear with Teddy Bridge with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Yeah, and for Teddy to have only faced Giants, Jaguars, and Jets so far, I mean, we're giving Darnold so much crap for, like, not having faced the toughest of schedules. You could say a lot of those same things about the Denver Broncos. And thinking about this more, the fact that we do have to put in our waivers on Tuesday or Wednesday before Matt Nagy's going to give us the actual answer to who's under center, yeah, it, it needs to be Daniel Jones by default with that. I did not consider that. That's why I like to talk these things through on the podcast. So, people, Derek Carr, number one, Sam Darnold, number two, Daniel Jones, Jones, number three, Justin Fields, number four, Teddy, number five. Final note I'll make on Fields. I think I'm with you, Dwayne. Let's hold. Let's not cut the guy after one bad week just yet. Hold tight because as terrible as last week was, like it was a terrible team-wide performance. I just refuse to believe everything can go that wrong again. Again, this was like the third worst performance of the past 21 years in terms of total yards against the Browns defense that is good. And Miles Garrett is exceptional, but this was just a complete stinker among stinkers, and we can't just expect that to be the new normal. Fields was pressured on 53% of his dropbacks, even though his average release time, 2.84 seconds, is high. High, but for him, man, we were looking like well over three seconds in the preseason and at Ohio State. So the O-line wasn't helping. And then only 28% of his targets were two receivers that PFF deemed open or wide open. When he was targeting those guys, he went three for four. The problem was every other quarterback in the league is up over 40%. So that tells me the receivers weren't doing a great job and Matt Nagy wasn't doing a great job play calling. Fields didn't do a great job with any of this either. I'm just saying the whole root of the problems goes a little bit more than just Fields. So hold tight. Another week. Hopefully we get that same dual threat player that we've been hyping up the all offseason for good reasons. Moving on to running back, big five here, and again, just rostered in over 50, rostered around 50% of the league. So Alexander Madison, of course, would be number one if, uh, or maybe one or two, just depending on Dalvin Cook's status. 
Try to find a way to get Madison on your bench if you're somehow in a league where he's not rostered, but I find that hard to believe after last week. Anyway, the big five that I got, Chuba Hubbard, J.J. Taylor, Peyton Barber, Zach Moss, and Giovanni Bernard. Just really quickly over this group, I mean, Dwayne, I was just putting together some of my running back uh, snap stuff for my article that goes out on Wednesday, and yeah, Brandon Bolden not only out-snapped and outplayed J.J. Taylor after James White suffered a hip injury, but Bolden was even on the field longer than Damian freaking Harris. So I'm not sure that's going to persist. Just realize J.J. Taylor isn't necessarily the next man up here. We still have Ramondre Stevenson who could be active now that White's out of the picture. Maybe Bolden keeps the job. Maybe Harris takes the hell over. Either way, it's the ever-evolving Patriots backfield. Don't be going crazy on Taylor. Deeper league's fine, but you know, using more than 5-8% of your fab couldn't be me there. With Peyton Barber, Tied for third in carries in the entire freaking NFL over the past two weeks. Josh Jacobs, he's not in the IR or anything. I think he's going to be back. It would be hysterically painful if Barber continues to carve out a role in the committee even after Jacobs is back. I'm almost wondering if it's likely at this point, as sad as that is. Either way, I'm not chasing this, Dwayne, because it's going to come to an end very quick, and this is not fantasy-friendly usage. Zach Moss, hey, Matt Breida, healthy scratch last week. That's great to see. Again, we can live with the two RB backfields and Moss is starting to get some work ahead of Singletary I would say he is someone that I'm a little more inclined to spend maybe up to 10 it's a little bit more fab if you're in a dire place you know I know the zero RB teams could be uh, hurting right now so you could do worse than someone getting 10 touches on the offense Giovanni Bernard uh, per Bruce Arians he doesn't know if Gio is going to be back until Wednesday he's dealing with that knee injury Bucks will use Lundy more otherwise and that basically sets the table for Chuba who is on everyone's mind so Dwayne I'll give you the floor here but again just Quickly, I guess, before you get to Chuba, out of these other guys, I would say Moss, number one. Probably J.J. Taylor, number two, because I just don't I don't see Barber's upside moving forward. And then Barber and Geo. Would you agree with that? Yeah. No, I think I think Hubbard's at the top. And then depending on Madison's status, he would be number two, yeah. right? But um, if you're just trying to win this week. Um, but we need to hear. We probably won't know enough for you to make that kind of call. So I agree. I would put Zach Moss at number two. Um, and if, and honestly, like if, I mean, Hubbard's tube is still going to be the play. But if you're looking for a back like that, you just want a roster for the rest of the year because you've got three solid art, you know, backs, and you just want to have a fourth that has a role that could step in, fill in in a bye week and a pinch, and maybe could continue to grow you know, what they have, that's probably Zach Moss and you can get him for less than, than Chuba Hubbard. Um, Hubbard is, is the player that as long as CMC's out, like you're going to be able to put him into your starting lineup. Um, so if you look at, you know, just last week, once, you know, Christian McCaffrey left the game, 73% of the snaps, uh, handled hundred percent of the long down and distance, 66% of the short down and distance, hundred percent of the two minute offense handled roughly half of the attempts, but some of those, one of those, one attempt went to a tight end um, slash fullback and Trimble. One went to a receiver. So if you look at it just against the backs, it was closer to 60%, you know, of the attempts with just he and Royce Freeman, right? Um, You know, Darnold had a couple of carries as well, including uh, the rushing touchdown. So routes per pass play is like really way, way up there. This is beautiful. 72% targets, 22%. And he was targeted on 22% of the routes that he was out, um, you know, for Darnold. So, yeah, I mean, it's like we always say, Ian, volume is king. And until CMC comes back, um, 
you know, you could have a, you, basically you're getting a mid-level RB2 with every week RB1 upside on that volume, you know, if, if, if that volume holds true. And we don't really have a reason to think that it shouldn't, given the way that they utilize Mike Davis. I do expect Royce Freeman to be involved some. He was involved some in this game, but I think it's going to be about to the extent that we saw in this game. I think they do like Chuba. Could Freeman eventually take over more work from him if he doesn't play well? Yeah, but all we have is this to go off of, um, and I would definitely be putting um, you know, on Chuba, and I haven't heard anything new on CMC, so you tell me if I'm wrong, Ian, but I'm still assuming that even though they haven't put him on IR, I'm still assuming that you know CMC, based on everything that I've read, we're talking you know two to five weeks that he's going to miss, depending on how severe the injury is. So if you just put that somewhere in the middle and say you're going to get three and a half games, somewhere around there, three to four games out of this player, um, if you own, if, 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 sorry, if you're rostering Christian McCaffrey, I'm such a boomer. If you're, oh, you're rostering, if you're rostering Christian McCaffrey, um, over 50% is what you're, you're going to have to go over 50%. I think you'll have to be over 60% unless you're in a small league. Um, if you are in a 12 team league with 20 plus team rosters, it's going to be over 60%, no matter what, whether you own CMC or not. Um, because the CMC owner is going to go hard at, at Chuba if he's available and he's not available a lot of times in those really large leagues. Like I, I've not left him available on any wire. Like I've, I've scooped him up anywhere he's been available like weeks ago. So it's, it's not like he's going to be there a ton. If, if you're in a smaller format, like an 18 league, you know, you don't have to go that much, but you, you know, your situation better than Ian and I do. So if you're sitting there with one back and you, you don't have anybody at RB2, maybe James White was your RB2 and you were just trying to get through on him. And maybe, you know, you're sitting there, maybe you got Pollard sitting there and he can give you a little something, but you don't have a true number two. Well, then you got to right size your bid based on that and just try to win the next two to four weeks with Hubbard um, and give yourself some time for other things to develop. This is why preseason does matter, people. At least the first team snap first team snap rates do. If you guys listen to Dwayne and I throughout August, every single preseason takeaway podcast was basically jerking off Chuba Hubbard's snap rate usage because he was out there almost every single play with the first team offense to the extent that we felt comfortable moving up moving him up in to the Alexander Madison, Pollard, Kareem Hunt tier of those best handcuffs in the league. So yeah, Mike Davis was the RB twelve last year all season long full PPR scoring and you know I personally think Mike is one of the more shifty runners out there I think you know in in a world where if we want to rank you know how good Arby's actually are I do think Mike Davis like is legit good but hey Chuba even if he's 90% Mike Davis that's still going to be to your point an upside RB2 with legit RB1 potential so go get Chuba after him again people Zach Moss Taylor Barber and Gio Dwayne I feel like though like again, I hopefully people have Chuba on your bench and you have already. This isn't a situation like Elijah Mitchell to me. That was like, hey, I'm comfortable spending 53% fab because I'm getting right. hopefully the 49ers starting running back the rest of the season. I know he suffered a shoulder injury the next week. We couldn't predict that. With Chuba, like I don't want to spend over 50% on my fab on a guy that likely will be back to being a backup in two to five weeks. Uh, the only, up, only update we have received is that McCaffrey won't be going on the IR. So it's two to five with, with maybe the more likely scenario being around two or three weeks. Are you with me there? We're like, this is not a situation to overly freak out. Yeah. And yeah, what I'm just trying to let people understand is you're going to have to beat the CMC owner. <laughs> and I do believe the CMC owner or manager is going to have enough incentive 
right? To go ahead and plop down probably half of their fab. Unless you look at their roster and they're loaded at running back. Like, meaning, even with Hubbard on the roster, like, let's say, for example, they got Najee Harris in the second, DeAndre Swift in the third, and then came back and grabbed, you know, somebody else, you know, in, in like the eighth or ninth round, or maybe, you know, they've got a, a Naheem Hines and a James, you know, a player like that as well. If you saw that, then you could say, okay, maybe they're not going to go that high. I can right size, you know, my fab allocation to maybe 30%, which would be a lot better. That's, that's really what you would rather do. Typically the way I look at these situations um, is how, what's, what's the range of outcomes I think I get production from the player on. And then I size that. So if I think it's a quarter of the season, then I basically size that against my fab dollars. And I'm like, okay, if I think this is an elite player, as far as utilization goes for 25% of my fantasy season, right, which is typically 12 weeks, um, then I'm like, okay, 25% is probably the max I should put on the player. But knowing the way that the zero RB folks have been going at the wire this year, I do believe uh, in a lot of leagues it will take 50% plus to get him. But if you're if you're doing the right thing, and let's say you play in five leagues, I mean, I think the right way to approach it is put twenty five to thirty five percent on him every time, and maybe you get him once or twice, and you don't get him, you know, the other four times. Like that call. Moving on to wide receiver. Two quick notes on it, guys. That won't help you here in week four but maybe they will in a major way down the line. Ravens rookie wide receiver Rashad Bateman is eligible to come off IR. We'll, we'll begin practicing this week per John Harbaugh. Same goes with Miles Boykin, Boykin. So, hey, a lot of believers out there that Bateman could be the legit wide receiver one on this Ravens team. He's going to have to work his way up the depth chart. It's not a guarantee. But, hey, if you have an IR spot in your league, you could do a lot worse than getting Bateman now before we potentially see the value really go sky high once people realize he should be back soon. And the same goes for Michael Gallup, who was spotted on September 23rd working with some resistance bands on the field. He's going to miss the Monday night game. That happened yesterday as you're listening to this, which I shouldn't have brought up, but that's what happens when you record on Mondays. And then he's also going to miss the week four game. So Gallup won't be back until week five. But again, people, if you can go get him on IR, this is a guy that was going as a top 40 receiver in fantasy drafts, you know, a month ago. And now you can hopefully get him for free if someone wasn't patient enough to keep him. So Gallup and Bateman, go get him in an IR spot if you're able. The rest of the group i don't think there's you know last week Dwayne, we were saying sterling shepherd must get you know we gotta quit saying guys are must gets they get hurt immediately seemingly <laughs> um i don't think there's really anyone on the waiver at wide receiver you need to have certainly some guys that could provide you some boom weeks here moving forward the list that i got emmanuel sanders you know he's looked a hundred percent out there i mean this guy is not aging which is great to see and josh allen really had his best game of the year by far with those five total touchdowns against washington so Dwayne. What did you? You had like a name I thought for these types: the Manny Sanders, the Cole Beasley's. Like you're not getting the sky high wide receiver one possibility, but you got you're getting guys in a good offense that can get you like seven, eight targets per week. Emmanuel Sanders, Christian Kirk, they they both apply. Yeah, for sure. Um, They're they're both players that you know you're you're happy to stick into your wide receiver three and wide receiver four spot. You know, is the way I look at it, or one of your flex spots. Mm-hmm. Um, as you wait on some of the younger players on your team to potentially step forward, um, and I do love Bateman this week. Like Bateman, um, if you're in a smaller format, you know, it's probably not anything you got to worry about. But if you're playing in a large format, um, like the FFPC, the NFFC, um, he's mostly been picked up in those formats, um, but he is available more than 
I would expect. I'll just put it that way. Um, I don't have the exact number in front of me. I mean, I grabbed him multiple times last week. Um, he wasn't available on the team that we have together, Ian. But yeah, I love Bateman. But yeah, for Sanders and Kirk, and look, Kirk has upside, man. He leads the team in air yards. He leads the team um, in end zone targets. He's second on the team on third and fourth down targets. So he's playing from the slot almost all the time. Um, he's out there for 70 to 80% of the routes of in a good offense. So, I mean, Christian Kirk right now, um, like he's a... I mean, right now he's wide receiver 20. So, I mean, like, I know it's weird. Like, I just put out a tweet earlier because I went and looked on Fantasy Pros just because I like to see, like, okay, how often. And I know it's obviously, you know, self-explanatory because that's what you look at to determine who we're going to talk about (laughs) in the segment. When I saw, like, I'm like, how is this possible? Like, how is he available this often? Um, Sorry, he's wide receiver uh, 15 right now. He's had a wide receiver. He's had a 10, a 54, and a 20 finish. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he's out there. He's got 18 percent of the targets and a good offense uh, targeted on 20 percent of his routes. Got an eight out of 16 air yards, 34 percent for the team End zone targets, 38 percent for the team. Um, 35 percent of his uh, targets come on play action. That's slightly better than average uh, for a wide receiver. And we talk about how play action targets are actually worth about 10 to 20 percent more than non play action targets. So Christian Kirk's just got a lot of really great things going for him. Um, I would actually rank him ahead of Emmanuel Sanders. Like if I was doing this list, I would say it's Christian Kirk, then Emmanuel Sanders, um, then Terrace Marshall, um, and then some of the other guys I know you haven't really gotten into yet that we can chat through. Yeah, no, that, that's that's fine. I was thinking the same where Kirk and Sanders are the top two that you can feel good about. I mean, people, we're talking about Josh Allen and Kyler Murray's number two receiver, seemingly. At some point, I do expect Hopkins to pull away in a lot of these metrics. But either way, it's closer than it was last year. And it makes sense now that the Cardinals can enable more than one guy. By the way, I did get around to watching uh, the Cardinals game. A.J. Green got like a 45-yard catch on a complete duck of a deep ball that Kyler just chucked up. Hey, credit them for coming down with it but didn't exactly see the sort of you know movement from green that would make me think that we've been wrong on not picking the guy up so i would say don't be buying uh don't be buying low on aj green or buying high i should say i guess at this point because he's burnt Prashad breeland and a atrocious jaguars secondary like that is the definition of fool's gold i believe people sanders christian kirk Terrence Marshall, he should get some more targets because CMC is sidelined, but man, we got Zilstra being a thing, so I don't think it's ideal. Brian Ebers and Henry Ruggs, I think he put it perfectly on our recap pod. If we could combine Ebers and Ruggs into one person, we'd have a weekly high-end fantasy starter. As things stand, though, I just think it's going to be tough to expect more than them than like a Hail Mary kind of flex play. And then Tim Patrick should be getting some more targets here with KJ Hamler, unfortunately set to miss the rest of the season with an ACL. But honestly, man, like Teddy... I think more than often than not, it's going to feature around Cortland Sutton. We still got Noah Fant there. Jerry Judy should be back in a few weeks. Tim Patrick, in my opinion, is the best number four receiver in the game. I'm just, again, not super pumped about getting too much exposure to a Broncos passing game that I think probably has a little more room to go down versus up. Out of these uh, auxiliary options, Dwayne, Marshall, Edwards, Ruggs, Patrick, anyone really uh, you know fancy you? Yeah, if you're looking at rest of the season, I think you're you're still targeting Brian Edwards and Ruggs, right? As the players that could give you season for the rest of the season, someone that could grow into a boom type role. I think if you're just looking for a player because you're missing Jerry Judy um, or someone else that's been injured and you just need a player to get you through the next two to three weeks, 
then it's probably Tim Patrick, right? He's just out there more often than the other two. At 22% of the targets yesterday, that's more than either Ruggs or Edwards has seen at any point this season. Um, targets per route run, 20%. Um, he's working down the field. He owned 44% of the air yards yesterday in that game. Um, so, yeah, I, I like – and 40% of his targets coming on play action. So, I mean, he was the number 25 PPR receiver this weekend um, ahead of the Monday night game. So, I, I like Patrick in a pinch for like three to four weeks. Once Judy comes back, I don't think you're going to be very happy with Patrick because you also still have Noah Fant. And to your point, right, you know, Sutton is there, and I think he's the lead target until Jerry Judy's fully healthy. And then we'll see, like, we'll let those two battle it out. You know, it could be a back and forth thing between them. And then it's like, okay, like, you know, Tim Patrick's going to be like the kids at Thanksgiving, you know, it's, you know how it is. Like they, you get to go sit at the little table, you know, after <laughs> all the adults are at the big table and then there's the, you know, the little table, Tim Patrick probably be sitting at the little table once Jerry Judy comes back. So you did to, I think to your point, like you just don't want to overdo it with fab on a player like Patrick. If you're playing in a deeper format, like he's probably, there's not a lot out there. Right. So people will probably get a little bit excited about him, but I would definitely cap my fab at, you know, the seven to 10 percent range in the deepest formats and smaller formats. Like I would definitely go men fab allocation on Tim Patrick if I felt like I needed him. And quickly, in case people didn't catch, you know, the tongue in cheek nature of our Josh Gordon intro. Like, Dwayne, if if we're in a 16 man league and you just need wide receiver help and you have a bench spot, I guess. But do not spend a single fab dollar on Josh Gordon. Right. Yeah, I mean, you can spend a men bid on him if if you want to so go you, men you fab. Could, you could do a single dollar, but not more. Yeah. <laughs> no, like if you want to go two to five percent because you're in a deep league and that floats your boat, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to argue with you. It is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I, I don't think you'll get him for that. If you're in a league where Josh Gordon that's deep enough that Josh Gordon's going to matter, my guess is that. Typically, players like this that people can reminisce about and they can think back to the good old days, they over they over allocate fab on typically almost always. And so if you and if you're playing in a lot of high stakes leagues, I mean, look, it's just the fact of the matter. You're playing with a lot of older dudes that have a bunch of money (laughs) and they remember Josh Gordon. They're going to bid too much money um, on Josh Gordon. So just let them do it. But you can throw some men fab dollars out there at him. It's not the worst thing you'll ever do. Again, it's the Chiefs offense. So it could be the one time, Ian, where we look up and be like, wow, we said screw Josh Gordon for years. And then now look at him with Patrick Mahomes. Look, Patrick Mahomes targets Demarcus Robinson and he tries to get the ball to McCole Hardman. I mean, I could easily see Josh Gordon eventually being, you know, the third best option on the team. I just don't know what it's worth. One could imagine. I'll be rooting for Josh, rooting for CPAT, Auden Tate, all my freaking guys again and again and again. Love, love to see it. Now, will someone just go sign Duke Johnson and the whole squad will finally be back employed in the NFL? Let's finish some off, uh, finish things off, Dwayne, with, with some tight end uh, darts here. Mike Jasicki is facing the Colts, just had a ton of new usage with Jacoby Brissett. Not necessarily something we should anticipate continuing, but then again, new quarterback under center. Maybe it does make sense that Jasicki is going to be a little bit more involved. We got Gerald Everett versus the 49ers. Again, we talked about this on the breakdown pod, but everything's starting to go Everett's way in terms of snaps. He is pulling away from Will Disley, it seems like. So I think Everett probably has the best season-long outlook out of these guys. Also got Tyler Conklin versus the Browns. As long as Kirk needs to continue throwing the ball, one of these guys, whether it's Conklin, Osborne, or the running back, will be a solid number three receiver more weeks than not. 
And then we also have Dawson Knox against the Texans. Good stat from PFF's own Andrew Erickson about Knox 78% route run rate, trailing only Logan Thomas, Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, Cole Komet, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson last week. So he is right there with those guys now. Obviously, the Bills passing game can put up plenty of points in a hurry. So out of these guys, Dwayne, I guess I'd probably be ranking them Everett. For this week only, I think I'd be down to drink the Jasicki juice a little bit more. And then after that, Knox and Conklin, barely. I think it's a better group like than we're used to kind of seeing here. You obviously have your pitfalls with each, but do you feel about right with that? Everett should still be the target, just like we said last week. Yeah, he's well, and he's the one that's going to be available the most often. But I would say Jasicki is the one. So, so he he and Everett, their utilization is very similar, right? I mean, Everett barely edges him out at seventy two percent routes um, run per drop back on the season, and you got sixty eight percent for Jasicki, but a player that's been targeted more, right? In, in the in recent weeks. So if you look at Jasicki, his targets have gone from eleven percent to fifteen percent to twenty eight percent. So that 15% was basically with Jacoby Brissett playing, I want to say, 85% of the snaps week two because Tua got hurt pretty early. And then a full week last week. Um, and going back and looking, wow, I mean, Brissett just really peppered the middle of the the middle and underneath areas of the field, which was Jalen Waddell and Mike Jasecki. Now, Jasecki did get, you know, he had a couple of nicer catches down the field, but overall his average depth of target was only 7.3 when he's usually up around 10 or 12 um, for his career. So um, I I do think Jasecki is number one. I do believe he will still be complete Jekyll and Hyde on your ass. And I cannot tell you when it's going to happen. I just can't. There's, there's, we, I've, I look, I've been doing the utilization report for, this is year four now, um, year two with PFF. Um, but Jacecki has been a player that has baffled me for years. Like every time I thought there was a trend, like the one I just gave you, cause I know some poor listener is going to hear 11%, 15%, 28%. Mike just no, every time I've done that and I've gone to like get the pom poms out, I totally get the stiff arm the next week, get the Heisman from Mike Jasicki and he blanks everyone. And, uh, you know, and I feel bad because I'm included in it. So, don't overthink it, but I would still have him at the top. Um, Gerald Everett, I would have as my number two. Uh, Conklin, I would have as my number three. So I'm in the same order as you so far. And then I would have Knox, yes, as my number four. Um, Conklin, um, over the last two weeks, similar thing, right? Now, his routes are worse than the other two. 62%, 66%, and 60%. So he's at 63% on the year. But remember, Conklin hurt his hamstring uh, towards the end of the preseason. That's right. And he was battling that. So I do wonder, like, are we starting to see a healthier Conklin? Um, yesterday, they game plan to get Conklin the ball. He was targeted on 33% of his routes. <laughs> he had 33% of the end zone targets. They were throwing him bubble-like screen plays. I don't know if you saw that one, Ian, but he starts off on the outside and he runs kind of this quick kind of, not a bubble, it was more like a tunnel, like this tunnel kind of screen thing. Kirk's ADOT is super low right now. So I think you're right. Like they are actually designing some of these quick hitters for their guys. Yeah. So he, and so if you look at it, he went, his targets have gone from 9% to 14% to 22%. He's at 15% on the year. So, you know, you could argue that Conklin, even though he's running less routes because we're seeing you know, some a decent trend with his targets and his targets per route run, which have went from 11% to 17% to 33%, that he should be the target rather than Everett. Um, I am interested to see what happens with Tyler Lockett's practice participation this week. I know he ended up back in that game, but I think that's another potential 
out for Gerald Everett, right? That's another door that opens that if you have no Tyler Lockett, I think Everett, like if we had to place money in, right, we would say Everett's going to be the number two player in the in the passing game behind DK Metcalf would be my guess. Yeah. Um, so you guys will have to chew on that one a little more. I wouldn't blame you for going either way um, between those two players. It's really close. Um, but you should be happy to roster either if you're really hurting at tight end. And then, yeah, Dawson Knox – you know, comes in last. The nice thing, though, is 78% of the routes each of the last two weeks, and we've never really seen that before from Dawson Knox in his career. Uh, it's been much lower than that. You know, his targets are not great, 9%, 11%, 12%. But remember, people, this is the pass-heaviest offense in the league. So once you do the math, those targets come out similar to some of the other guys that we've talked about that are in heavier run offenses, that the raw target numbers themselves are pretty close. So Dawson Knox is a nice um, ancillary you know, prize, I guess, if you miss out on one of the top three. People, just to summarize what we just went over real quick, top two waiver wire recommended ads by position. Quarterback, Derek Carr, number one. Sam Darnold, number two. Running back, Chuba Hubbard, number one. Zach Moss, number two. Wide receiver, Christian Kirk, number one. Emmanuel Sanders, number two. And at tight end, Mike Jasicki, number one. Just by a hair. We'll even go 1A, Mike Jasicki, 1B, Gerald Everett to, you know. And don't forget Bateman. Yeah, yeah, if you guys are in a super deep format like Bateman and Gallup were two great call outs by Ian. Yeah. Bateman, Gallup, get in there, get him in that IR spot. Can't hurt the squad. And people, I just hope you know that NFL week three is in the books, which means PFF has data grades for every single player who logged the snap last week. What can you get with the PFF sub? Well, you can get all of PFF's locked article content, including Dwayne's utilization report that should be up on the website by the time you're listening to this podcast. Truly one of the best articles you can read every week in the industry. We also got PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, zero to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team. You like betting props? Well, I hope you do. They're fun to bet. Player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop and more. So check out the highest graded players from week three and look to find early value on spreads and picks and player props for week four with a PFF subscription. And also, people, DraftKings Sportsbook, gotta love it. We're going to week four and to kick off another action pack week. DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet just $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive one. $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet in any football game. That's promo code PFF. This week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana? 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And finally, people just want to note the Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves buying your first home plan to start a family wondering how to make your money grow western southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day so team up to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com slash pff Dwayne, this is like the part of the week where we talk for a good four or five hours over the course of like 40 of them. We'll be right back tomorrow with uh, the game-by-game breakdown so people can find your utilization report on pff.com. Any final things you want to get off your chest? No, man. I just got to get back to writing. (laughs) So you guys can have the utilization report late tonight or early tomorrow, whichever we can get to. We finished the Sunday pod and I asked you the same thing and you're like, I'm just trying to wake up early to start writing. 
We'll get a, we'll, yeah. we'll get a more fun answer after uh, Friday's injury pod, perhaps, but you never know. Okay. That's that's life over here at PFF. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>